going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Charles Schwab Challenge. As usual, I am here with everybody's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, what is up, my friend? <laughs> What's going on, Kenny? I, I want to get you to say Charles Schwab Challenge again. That was a really good emphasis on each of the words. So I'm sure we'll hear it again. We'll talk through it. Want to remind everyone, though, before we get into it very quickly, this show is brought to you and presented by PricePix.com. Head on over to PricePix.com. Use promo code MMN. Get yourself a 100% deposit bonus up to your first $100. Lots going on there each and every week. Want to check it out? Picks and plays all different ways. Check out PricePix.com. Use promo code MMN. Kenny, Brooks Kepka. five. Five. Gets the job done. Thoughts? So I was playing golf the other day, and I had just bought a new glove, right? And it was tight. It was a tight glove. And literally the only way I could take it off was if I did this and pulled it out each finger. Bull- Kepka wasn't bullshitting on that one. What a win uh, by Brooksy. What an event. Um, the course was immaculate. Uh, I, I can't believe that they kept the course in such good shape on Sunday. Of course, the scores were a little bit lower on Sundays because everything was so soggy. But to be able to play in no standing water and be able to play the entire day Saturday, kudos to the, to the green staff there. Wow. Uh, they did an impressive job. I loved the course. I mean, it could have used a couple of different things, like the par fives. They should have been able to, to not being able to reach sort of took a little bit of the luster out of that. You know, uh, no one really was reaching those par fives. You didn't have those eagle chances. Uh, personally, I liked 14. Um, I, you know, I liked the, the drive all par three. Uh, you had a couple of eagles par four. You had a couple of eagle chances there. I don't know. Cantley had an eagle uh, on Sunday. Um, Great win by final day by Brooks and by Hovland. They went toe to toe. Like I would not be surprised if we see that matchup again in a major, possibly this year. Uh, you know, because these two guys are, are are in that level. They're so good uh, that I could see them doing it again. Like after the round, I went ahead and bet Hovland uh, twenty two to one for the U.S. Open, twenty five to, to one for the um, Open Championship. I just went ahead. He's going to win a major soon. His short game was, you know, around average, maybe a little, even a little bit better. Uh, you know, uh, pretty solid uh, uh, showing. I mean, really, he went toe to toe on 13 was the big decider outside of 16. But on 13, you know, uh, what's his name? Hovland walks in that birdie putt, like steps towards Kepka. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a little bit of swag, a little bit of swag uh, in that birdie making. I love seeing that from from Victor. You don't really see that too often. He was in it to win it. I mean, I, God, it was great. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Kepka just hits this like drippy smooth ten footer for par. Uh, you know, so so it, it's not tied. It's only a one stroke lead. They both birdie fifteen. They both par fourteen. And then, of course, we get to sixteen and. That was really Hovland's only mistake. Now, it was the biggest mistake of the tournament. You know, one back with 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 three left, and you, and you, you skull fuck it into a goddamn fucking bunker lip, um, uh, which was really too bad for him because it would have went down to the wire. It would have went down to the last hole. One of the two, I guarantee, would have birdied the last hole to win the event. I, I, could, I could see that happening. Um, Really, really impressive showing by Hovland, but we got to give Kepka props. He played it smart. I love his 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 thought process 
uh, in that final round. A couple of things that you noticed. Um, he took his time, especially on short putts. And that wasn't, I don't think just because he was nervous about the putts. I think it's because he knew that Bryson was in front of him. He didn't want to wait on the tee box. So, you know, he, he marked his 18-inch putts, walked it around a little bit, chilled, marked back, marked, put the ball back, did a look-see, you know, took his time. Nothing outrageous, nothing out of the ordinary. Hovland's already finished with the hole, so he's not stopping him from doing anything. A really, really smart technique right there. You never heard of them waiting on any hole, and I think it's because of that. He took his time. He knew that people know that him playing slow bothers him. And he took that into account and, and, and made a game plan where it would not affect him. Um, exceptionally smart. He started off so strong and it never really went away. He had that little hiccup uh, on what, six and seven, but those are like two of the hardest holes on the course. Getting bogey on those, okay. Uh, that's fine. Uh but starting off three birdies in the first four, I mean, you knew what was up. And then, you know, of course, Hovland brought it back. Kepka just played so smart, major golf. Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was one of the best. Uh, it was the best. Made. I liked it better than the Masters this year. It was really fun to watch. Of course, I hit the Kepka twenty twenty to one bet. Uh, always nice hitting a major. Uh, Cashkin Cornerstones going wild here recently since the Masters. 18 of 20 made cuts, 50% top 20 percentage. Not bad. Heating up at the right time. Tambo, what would you think of the event? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, like you said, a lot goes with it. We got the U.S. Open in three weeks. I know that everyone's already turned their head to that and LACC. But this course, OK, like you said, was pretty incredible stuff. Kept it in check. I know not everybody was happy with the Sunday result in the sense of not what happened. I mean, it was great ending to the to the tournament. But how the course played. And it is what it is. Not much you can you do. Can, you, can, you can change that. It was too so soft. You know? Yeah, it, it's not not much you can do about that. The point you made, though, about the Brooks setting his own pace, I think he talked about it a little bit after. You know, He didn't fully go into what people took and put two and two together of him mentioning at the Masters. He went at everyone else's pace. This time he said, I'm going to set the pace on my own terms. And what ends up happening, he goes out and gets the W. So from a just a perspective of like, you know, the, you know, he talks all the time about reading Kobe stuff and mom mentality and all that. He's like, he really got into the mindset. It wasn't even just the fact that he's healthy again, the physical, the game is back, the swing looks good, all of that. It was everything that he did to put it all together and then to learn from your mistakes at the Masters to come back and get the job done here. Pretty impressive stuff. You know, it's been talked about. I think KP, Kyle Porter, was getting dunked on today. I was attached to that thread, so I'll talk about it. Kind of funny, though, like when he was so bad, it was like the omen or whatever, and he came out and shot like a 78 or an 81 or something and missed the cut. And he said, I think Kyle Porter said he would never win an event again. And I said at that time, I said, I think it's just crazy, all the Brooks sucks stuff. Because if you watch the Netflix documentary, people are dunking on me for this, backing it up. And I was kind of backing up Brooks saying, look, the guy at the time was clearly having a rough go at it. If you watch the Netflix documentary, he was in his feels. Like, this was a bad time for him. But he was working on getting healthier. He was talking about how the trophy shelf, which was built huge, by the way, was supposed to fit more trophies on it. And he was expecting to have more by now. And I think it was the right thing to do. I said the loser at the time was Liv. Because they signed it, but he sold the top. Like he was feeling that he may not ever get healthy again. So he took the bag. And you can't fault a guy for that. I don't think Liv is winning much more because of Brooks all of a sudden having success on Liv and now winning a major. I don't think it really helped them that much. But the win for Brooks was, and what I was trying to frame up in that tweet was quite simple is that 
He takes the bag because he doesn't know if he'll get there again. But if he does, he's got the bag and the major and the trophy and everything to go with it. And now he continues to have his cake and eat it too. So I really thought just everything going on with Brooks through all of this stuff, it really showed out. And then for him to go and get another one yesterday, like the names that he gets put in the class of with five plus majors, I can't even remember the stat. It was like when Rory, (laughs) excuse me, Rory was getting, I can't remember. Do you see the one about Rory about getting his fifth? And Brooks had zero or something, and now Brooks yeah, Rory has five to four. match. Rory four or something. Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, that's pretty crazy when it's down yeah. the stretch like that. And then just one more note off of Brooks for a second. The the Hovland stuff, like, man, talked about it earlier in the week last week, a bunch. Fried Egg Polly, I kept hitting him up just talking about it on that. Like, he was t- he wrote a whole article on the Hovland stuff, and it was crazy to see the transition in the around the green game. It's actually pretty strong now. It was good. It looked very good. Pretty good. He looked good at the Masters. You brought it up last time after the Masters when we did our recap. You talked about it there. I mentioned it again, too, last week and just some of the other stuff. And in the other events that were the easier events, maybe don't need it as much. But in the bigger events, if he can just bring that around the green game with everything else, he's in the mix. What do you know? Until 16, he was doing his thing. All the talk was about Brooks, but really Hovland was the one that was doing his thing. Like Brooks was just setting his pace and making the putts that he needed to. And he was still playing incredible. But Hovland was doing his thing down the stretch until 16. So, not much you can do about that. Other guys, real quick, Kitayama back in the mix in a big time event. Cam Davis from you know how he was to then missing all the cuts to saying he's not healthy, then to saying he got healthy again to come back and now he's looking pretty good. Rory and Chef back in the mix, like found their way up to the top of the board. Cam Smith, Bryson, some of the live guys. Like there was a lot to be talked about at this major. I thought it was a really good one all around. We got a good leaderboard. We got a good ending. Anything else? Some other guys that I that that weren't really on the top of the leaderboard, but sort of caught my eye. Hatton, uh, the Hatton Xander DJ featured group on Thursday and Friday was must fucking see TV. It was unbelievable, especially on Thursday when DJ was playing really really well. Uh, Xander started with with four over after three or some shit like that. Had to make his comeback, which is incredible. And in Hatton, of course cussing up a storm, shooting plus seven uh, on the first day, but finishing the event at at one over par inside the top 15 uh, after a 77 on the first day. Uh, that says a lot, I think, about Hatton. You know, a lot about people talk about Hatton where, you know, if he's pissed off, he's not going to be into it. He's just going to explode. Well, he was plenty fucking pissed off on Thursday after watching it. The F-bombs are flowing, okay? Um, and, um, and he just couldn't get anything really done. And then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, he just you know grinded it out with six under in his last three rounds, uh, in his last fifty-four holes. Really, really impressive stuff. I went ahead and put a number on him: forty to one for the U.S. Open, thirty-three to one for the Open Championship. Uh, I really liked what I saw from Hatton, especially him grinding it out like he did. Uh, really impressed to me. Um, other guys that impressed me, Denny McCarthy. I know he's not going to be in your your mix when you look at players, but he was uh, six over with four holes to play, five holes, four holes to play on Friday. Okay, and he was going through the hardest stretch, like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. Like like three of those holes are like really, really hard. Um, he went one under to make the cut on the number. And finished even 70s, three straight 70s, I think, or something like that. Finished even par for the other three days. Really, really solid. Gained four strokes with his approaches. Did his putting thing. I love, 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 love 
Danny McCarthy this week. One of my favorite plays. Um, you know, other things, you know, yeah, you talk, spoke about Rory. DJ, I think another major or two, he could be back. Because, like, when I watched him on Thursday, he looked dead serious. Like, he was really in it. Now, it only worked for about a day and a half before he fell back. Maybe he needs to put a little bit more work in, like, you know, like you see um, Bryson doing, you see Brooks doing, and stuff like that, uh, always on the range, especially Bryson um, out there. Uh, those are some of the guys that might not have been near the top of the leaderboard that really, really impressed me. And of course, the whole Michael Block thing, impressive. I don't think we need to go over it too much. Uh, uh, the whole in one was amazing, and the two up and downs on 17 and 18 to, to play next year was incredible. I know people are probably tired of it, but still, for the casuals, it was great. And it's going to be a huge part of the Netflix uh, full swing show for next for next year, which is great because we want more casuals to be fans. Anything else about the event, Tanner? No, we can wait for the movie to come out to watch the Michael Block story and yeah. get the rest of it. But uh, incredible stuff. The whole in one was just nuts down the stretch, just everything with him. But yeah, overall, another solid major, Kenny. And like I said, only three weeks from the next one. I can't wait. U.S. Open is always the I, I love the U.S. Open. So I, I say this every year. I'm the Canadian that goes on goes on and on about it, but. We like the Open to stay up late and watch it overnight. We like the Masters because it's the first one of every year in the history. PGA is always sneaky good. We got another one this year, but I don't know. I always get excited for the U.S. Open, so I can't wait for that one. LACC, and I think we got Charles Schwab Memorial, Canadian Open, and then, yeah, U.S. Open. So coming up very soon. Uh, Shout out to DJ Nation, our third most watched and downloaded show. Tons of comments and reviews and, and YouTube or sorry, and uh, Apple reviews and all that stuff. So yeah, shout out to everybody's huge support. Appreciate everyone on that aspect for sure. We filled the Lister League again, so I'm told that 2,000 is possible wow. in three weeks from now. So we'll we'll clarify as we get closer. We definitely got to fill these ones up leading up to just to keep the mojo going there. But I definitely think that was a, a huge factor in getting that one filled as quickly as we did. We got the job done at 1.5k. All right, so let's go to the Listener League uh, for this for the Listener League winner for the PDA Championship. Crank it up 10. Uh, it has a hat. I don't know what the hat says. It is way too small for me to read. But a black hat avatar. He won with 438 points. He had Kepka, the winner. Uh, he was right around where his ownership was in GPPs, around 12.5% in our listener, in our listener league. Cam Smith, about 10%. Finished in ninth with a really, really solid Sunday. Uh, he could have shot way better than 65. Uh, he had a couple of bogeys in there. It could have been like 63, 62 uh, out there for Cam. DJ, he went straight up live. Straight up live. DJ, uh, he ended up finishing in 55th. But, man, he had a lot of birdies. Uh, 11 birdies, not bad uh, total before this. I mean, you look at Cam Smith, who finished, you know, 46 spots in front of him, had 15 birdies. So, you know, right around there. Uh, Cam Davis had another great, had a really good week. Uh, he was 2% owned, uh, finished in fourth place. Bryson DeChambeau, wow, all the live guys, uh, 4% on. We talked about Bryson. I couldn't pull the trigger. Hopefully you guys did out there. We talked about him immensely uh, all week. And Amito Pereira, uh, who finished at top 15 or top 20, 11%. Five live guys <laughs> won the, the, fan, the listener league this past week. What do you think of the lineup? That's the thing. I, I wasn't sure if you would notice it and pick up on it, but it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Five live guys. I'm not sure if there was another option there instead of Cam Davis or he just rolled him out and was looking for all six, but either way, 
it looks like that was the clear path. I don't think this isn't by accident. It looks like it was, I'm going to build out the best live lineup I can find and see where it lands and be okay with it. And if it is Cam Davis and he's 7,400, he's healthier, he's playing a little bit better. Maybe we can get after it with him. So shout out to crank it up 10 solid lineup. Like I said, balanced ownership, not too much DJ being the highest owned guy at 18. So not really bad after that, a bunch of guys. And then Bryson and Cam down at that two, 3%. So shout out crank it up 10 already got him in the uh, tournament of champions. And then we'll see him in the three man this week. All right. That sounds good. Let's get to our, uh, let's get to the course uh, for this week. Um, after an exciting PGA championship, man, it was exciting. I loved it. It was such, it, uh, it was a really, really good watch. And it was really nice having those four featured groups. I mean, 12 guys that you can watch. It was nice. Um, the PGA tour moves back to Texas for the Charles Schwab challenge. Uh, this is an invite-only tournament with a smaller field of just around 120 golfers, with the cut still being top 65 in ties. Only around 55 golfers will be cut, rather than the normal 80 or so. Uh, the course seems to favor experienced golfers. Uh, since 2001, the winners of this event have averaged around seven appearances at Colonial before their victory. Only eight golfers in 70-plus years have gotten their maiden victory here. Uh, six years ago, Jordan Spieth was the youngest winner at Colonial since 2001. Uh, the year before, Kirk had just turned 30 uh, when he got his win. Um, Berger was just uh, 27 three years ago when he won on the heels of the COVID break. Uh, two years ago, Kokrak was 36. Last year, Burns was 25. Uh, the youth movement has taken over the winner's circle for the last eight years, but every golfer other than that uh, that is one here between 2002 and 2023 or 2022 was above 31 years old. Uh, the old guys definitely live uh, this week. The Brendan Todd's, I don't know. I don't think Kuchar's playing, but if Kuchar's playing, yeah. he'd be live. Uh, the Reeves, those old guys, they're live this week. Weather also plays a big factor as it does on most Texas courses. Uh, the, the winning score here is fluctuated between minus nine and minus 21 the last decade. The biggest reason for the scoring difference, Mother Nature. Uh, taking a glance at the forecast, it looks like it's going to be comfortable temperature-wise all four days with light winds. Uh, if the wind forecast is correct, I would expect the winning card winning score to be, you know, mid-teens under par, maybe even maybe even lower. Um, so but make sure you check the weather report Wednesday night to see if the wind forecast shifts and there's any advantages uh, in specific tee time waves. Now, Colonial Country Club, 7,200 yard, par 70, four par threes, and only two par fives. The par five first hole, reachable in two by most golfers, and if the fairways are playing firm, the par five 11th could be reachable by the longer hitters, as golfers will need to take advantage of the rollout. Uh, there aren't too many eagles at Colonial, uh, but these two par fives are still the easiest holes, especially when compared to the rest of the course. Overall, though, these two these two par fives, some of the hardest on tour. So I would focus my attention more on par four scoring instead of uh, par five scoring this week. Off the tee, golfers are going to see tight tree-lined fairways with bunkers in play on most tee shots and water a factor on a few holes. Usually the Bermuda rough isn't too high, uh, but it is wiry and is a penchant for grabbing golf balls and sinking them to the bottom of the grass. Uh, in other words, the majority of golf balls Hitting the rough won't be fluffed up like we've seen at some courses throughout the year. Uh, bad lies in the rough here are the norm. Uh, now, it is a possibility that the rough could be higher and thicker than we have seen in the past due to, you know, it's been a good amount of rain in the last month, month and a half. Um, so pay attention to the Golf Channel and golfers talking about the rough and its thickness. Uh, if the rough is flush and taller than normal, give accurate drivers of the golf ball more of a bump up and maybe add an even more emphasis 
on around the green play. Uh, this is definitely a thinking man's course. It favors precision more than length. Uh, there are many dog legs making it much harder to just bomb drives out there. Uh, golfers need to hit certain spots to have clear approach uh, to the green. Uh, this leads to many golfers leaving their driver in the bag on a lot of tee shots. They're like guys like John Rahm in the past and others have hit the driver here more the last few years. And Rahm, you know, he's had some good finishes here, 2017, 2018, using a good amount of driver. Now, on approach shots, golfers will see small greens with a bit of undulation. Bunkers very prevalent around the greens. They're normally set up in the front of the putting surface. These bunkers will catch slightly mishit approaches, and we'll see a lot of work on holes where there's a headwind. Uh, the greens use bent grass and should be fairly quick with a stint meter rating of around 12. But of course, well known for a very difficult three-hole stretch. Uh, the, the, the horrible horseshoe holes three to five. Hole three, long par four, big right to left dog leg. It tightens the hole even more. It lengthens the hole even more. Uh, golfers need to avoid the bunkers and trees on their tee shots and will have a mid to long iron on their approach in the, the smallest green with bunkers short right and left of the putting surface. Hole four, 250 plus yard par three, elevated green, bunkers short and left. Uh, this is the only par three on the horse course without a hole in one in tournament play. Um, and it can be more difficult with a headwind. You can expect that. If you get a headwind on a 250-yard par three, you're going to be breaking out some long clubs. Um, now, the par four fifth hole, 480-plus yards long, and it's the most difficult hole in the course. Slight left-to-right dog leg. Golfers are going to be really accurate off the tee uh, as there are trees in a creek to the right and a large ditch on the left. Um, on the lengthy approach shot, golfers are going to have to deal with Bunkers short right, short left, and back right of this tiny, tiny green. In the last 35 years of tournament play, these three holes have played nearly 8,000 strokes over par, while the other 15 holes have played a combined 800 or so under par. Uh, even though these holes are at the beginning of the round, the tournament could be lost early if golfers struggle here. If your guys start on the back and have to go to the front like on Friday, just, just say a prayer. And a near the cut line, say a prayer. Those holes, very, very tough. Tambo, what are you looking for in golfers this week? Yeah, the breakdown was very good. Like I said, we get to a, a different setup here now. 7,200 yards, is, the fairway's tight, things like that. So we've seen the course. That's the good news, Kenny. We know a lot about it. We got the, the Jordan Spieth course history like no other. We'll get to that in a second when we get to pricing. But I think the bigger decision this week is going to come down from, at least from a DFS perspective, to – picking your spots because Scotty Scheffler is here. Scotty Scheffler continues to be like, look, if he doesn't do, I forget what he shot on Saturday at the PGA championship, but it was not good, but it, you know, it wasn't bad for how tough it was and conditions and stuff. I'm just saying if he had a pl played a little bit better on Saturday, he probably wins the PGA championship. He was right there on Sunday. If he does the same thing backwards. So either way, that's going to be the bigger decision. Like you said, you nailed a bunch of the stats, what we're looking for, all of that. But when we get into the tiers, the bigger factor is going to be, if you think the guys in that sort of 10, five range and down to the 9k range are worth it compared to just going in on scotty scheffler and i guess you could say that comparing to the betting board too kenny you've been involved in this you know back and forth throughout the last few weeks where do we just bet the guy at the top or do you take some of the other shots here i feel like you want to bet some other spots because the numbers whatever but in dfs when you don't know if these other guys are going to compete with him or come up there with him at the top he's 11-5 i think it's a bigger decision to be made so anything else you want to talk about before we get into the tiers no, it sounds about right. I mean, a lot of 125 to 150, 150 to 175, 
uh, a lot of holes from 400 to 450. You par know, four emphasis that you talked about too. I should have brought that up. What's up? Par four emphasis that you brought up as yeah. well. Yeah, but especially from 400 to 450, par four scoring, bogey avoidance around the green play. That's all going to be important. But let's get to the tiers. Let's go ahead and start up top in this 10K range. We got Homo all the way to Scheffler. How are you going, Tandy? This is what I'm saying. Yeah, good good starting point. So Scheffler is the decision. I'm not sure. Again, this reminds me of what now? Is it two weeks ago? The Byron Nelson? Excuse me. The, uh, you know, we said it wasn't the same as Mexico, but the thought process was we have good golfers below Scheffler here. Finau, Hovland, Morikawa, Homa, Spieth, Burns, M, Rose, Fleetwood, et cetera that at least should keep him in check. Will Sheffield be low-owned? No. But do we have guys to keep him in check? If you remember that week, Spieth withdrew. It was me and Andy Lack doing the pod that week. And I think Spieth withdrew when we were live recording the podcast. That changed our whole thought process. But in reality, I want to say that Scheffler only got to like 35 or 36% still. I don't really think he ever got to the 40, 50% plus number or 40 to 50% range. So if you think of it from that perspective, as long as nobody WDs up top here, you got to think there's people that are willing to play Finau. You got to think there's people that are willing to play Hovland. You know, if you go down from there, the speed ownership of course history should take away. So I think that's that Scheffler's number is good. And I think, again, it's another decision where there will be players that just lock Scheffler in. I don't usually lock guys, so it won't be like that, but I could I could easily see where I am way overweight Scheffler to the field. And then in my other builds, I do something with that nine K range. And then a little bit of the lower, uh, lower 10 K range, because I know you were selling me pre-show on Homa. I'll save that to you. But some of the other guys there, like Kawa, these guys, it's talent in a, in a field that they can beat. It's just they haven't been doing as much lately. If you go back, though, and look like uh, Kawa, 14th and a second before a 40th here last year. Fina, 4th and a second with a 20 and 23rd mixed in between the last four years. There is guys here that can contend and compete. And before the second place last year, again, I definitely think Scheffler was a much different golfer when he got here last year, of course. But miscut in a 55th so there is at least something to be said but for me Scheffler and then making some decisions probably Finau and maybe you can sell me on Homa but really Scheffler and then dropping down to the next tier for me I'm definitely playing Scheffler and Homa Scheffler we've talked about I mean the guy it's Texas he's what the 11,000 is not super prohibitive you know what I'm saying if he was like 11 8 12,000 then you you think a little bit more but it's a lot harder to make lineups uh, with that price, but 11K, I, I don't see any problem. Go ahead, use Scheffler. He's one of the best in the business. He had his B game uh, at the uh, at the uh, PGA Championship and finished in second. <laughs> I'm saying he had his B game. You know, Kepka had his A game basically for three rounds. Uh, Scheffler had his B game for all and his, and his D game on Saturday, uh, and he's still doing what he's doing. It's really incredible uh, the run Scheffler's on. Uh, I don't think you can count him out of anything. Um, if you want to just bet him at what, what is he five to one and make him your only bet, whatever. It's probably better than the bets that I'm going to bet uh, this week. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so uh, yeah, I definitely play Sheffield, but I really like home. I like Bamford's article, Steve Bamford, uh, go out, check uh, at Bamford golf. Uh, him and Ben Coley are really the only two articles I'd try and read before the pod. Now Ben releases his article on Tuesdays now. So I do not get to read Ben's article before. Bamford's on I read uh pre pre-show. Uh, and he made a lot of really good points uh in his article about Homa. First off, the betting number is 20 to 1. Very, very fair for someone who's won four times in the last 18 months. I mean, you look at the guys around him, um, you know, Spieth, Kawa, you know, they, they don't have that winning, you know, 
they don't win as often uh, as Max has done. And Max tends to do well on these tight, classical, tree-lined tight courses, Wells Fargo, Riviera, Riviera, or one of the ones, whichever one he won in California all the time. Those are just tight, classic, tree-lined tight courses. Um, now, those are a little bit lengthier uh, than 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 colonial but still I mean, you got to have that same type of mind frame same type of game when you go into these type of courses that aren't cupcakes you know i, I like i like coma in, in in a little bit more difficult and he showed some resilience uh this past weekend at the pga championship it's at one point in time he was you know plus one even minus one around there late second round early third round before the weekend came and he went down a little bit um, you know, it hasn't really been the great at majors, but we're not a major. Uh, this is an event. I really like Homa. Uh, I'll be using a lot of him. <clears throat> and then I, I'm going to play three guys up here because I'm, I'm fading speed and I'm fading burns. So, uh, you know, I'm not using any high nine K guys. Uh, and I'm iffy on Sungjae. I think I'm going to play him for now, but I'm not sure. So I think I'm going to go three guys. Uh, in this 10k range, and the uh, it's either going to be Homa, uh, it's either going to be Hovland or Fina. Um, I think the I think Hovland's ownership might be really really high, but it could be worth it. And like the guys, at some point in time, is going to go on a run. Like he has that talent to go second, first, third, first. You know, like a Scheffler or a Rom type run. I think he has that talent in him. At some and I think at some point in time we're going to see it. Uh, so I and Fino has of course history. I think he'll be very, very low owned uh, compared to the rest of these guys in the 10k range, and that's the only reason I might lean towards Tony um, uh, in this, just because I I feel like his ownership might be low. But we'll have to see when it comes out all the ownership projections and stuff on Wednesday. All right, let's move to this 9k range. I got um, a couple of my cash game cornerstones. Are going to start right here. Like I said, I'm fading Spieth. I'm worried about the wrist. I, I just can't help it. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like he basically said he was going to withdraw like every day at, in his in his in his post round interview at the PJ Championship. He's like, oh, I was this close to withdrawing, but I decided to stick it out. I don't know if he's pulling a par Pierce on us or 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 what the fuck he's doing. Uh, but I don't trust him. If if it's it's not like hitting it out of that fucking rough all day. And the bunkers made his wrist better. I, I don't understand. Like, there's two more elevated events that he's going to have to play before the U.S. Open. So, I I, I don't know. Maybe he's okay. And if he is, it, it'll probably be a good play. But I'm fading him. Burns. I I feel like the ownership's going to be too high, I, and he just doesn't. I'm just not a Burns guy. Not at this price. I know he had the win last year. But at this price, I'm not the biggest fan uh, of Sam Burns. I'm going to go ahead and pass. I like Justin Rose a lot. Um, I didn't bet him, but I thought about it hard. Uh, 28 to 1 is a really good number. One of the best bent grass putters out there. Good showing last week at the PGA Championship. Really, really good, consistent run since his win at Pebble Beach. Uh, His course history here, very, very strong. I'm starting my cash lineup with uh, uh, Justin Rose. I'm going balanced. I think you can start with Scotty. That was my plan B, starting with Scotty. Uh, but this is a six to six, I think is going to be a little bit higher. 
Uh, and it has the reason I've been really successful the last couple of weeks because the six six has been low. Um, it's been around under five percent, six percent. And so for me, that usually ends up being better. Like you know, prior to that, I've lost a bunch of five of sixes, and and there was one six of six week where uh, you know I just broke even uh, because he's got the uh, the six of six percentage in cash has just gotten a lot better. People have just gotten better. Uh, I do expect the six of six to be. Um, very high this week. So I'm going more balanced, still upside with my top guys, but more balanced. I don't, uh, and, and looking for those cheaper cut makers, stuff like that. And we, we'll be able to tell my whole lineup uh, before the end of the day is over. My second cash game cornerstone right underneath him, Tommy Fleetwood. It was either going to bet Justin Rose or Tommy Fleetwood. The smart bet was probably Rose, but I'm not going to miss out on Fleetwood. I think at some point in time he's going to win. This seems like the event where you're not, you don't have to score 22 under. You don't have to go 23 under. You know, the mid-teens under par, like the 10 to 15 range under par, I think is what Tony needs. Or not Tony, Tommy needs to win a nice solid top 20 finish uh, at the PGA Championship. The form looks good. Uh, he's actually number two in my stat model. Really good from the proximity ranges I'm looking for. Are really good on the 400 to 450 yard par five, par fours. Uh, everything rates out well for him. I went ahead and took the bet 30 to one. I really do like him. Um, and then I like Chris Kirk. Um, uh, again, a 9100 former champion, been playing good golf all year, got his W, uh, got that monkey off of his back, can play a little bit more freely. Of course, uh, his numbers, they look great, really good around the green. Um, really good on the 400 to 450 yard par fours. Uh, one of the best from 125 to 150. Really good on par fours as a whole. I like Chris Kirk. Tambo. Yeah, I like Chris Kirk a lot. I'm just checking some U.S. Open qualifier stuff at the moment, too. We'll talk about when we get down to the bottom tier. But part of that leans into just going back to the top for one second. Then I'll continue on the 9K range. The other thing of the Scotty Scheffler effect this week, Kenny, is that this is a, what is it, a 120-man invitational type thing where there, there's actually a lot of guys at the bottom that you can play no problem. It's not like there's a bunch of scrubs down there for, yeah, we, everyone will have their own interpretation of that, but I'm just saying in general, there's not like a bunch of names you don't know. You can make cases for certain guys at sort of all price levels when we get down to the bottom. Some of them are actually going nuts at this qualifier right now to get in and pick up a U.S. Open spot, so they'll be feeling pretty good, I'm sure, coming into this. But yeah, just in general, I want to add that. The other thing is I liked how you just quickly wrote off Jordan Spieth, the guy with like legit the best history ever. And you're just okay with saying no. And that's going to be huge this week. Cause I honestly don't think anything can mess around with his ownership here, unless he comes out and says something else or does something more. I mean, it sounds like he's going to be playing and it's going to be good and we'll see what happens. So uh, I do think he's going to have the ownership there at 9,900. I like the max call a hundred bucks above him. But then if you go into the next tier, no secret, I got a Sung Jay problem. I don't know what was going on. Maybe it was the travel. Coming back from Korea off the win. That's the only thing I can think of, right? For him to play so good before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He'd been so good before. But again, if you look at the stats and everything that goes out, like he's way up there in the model for good reason. Good on the par fours, making birdies. Bogey avoidance, he's, uh, I think, like top number one, actually, in the last 36 for me. So just going back there, the 400 to 450, incredible. So he stands out for me. And then Chris Kirk. Stands out for me as well. The guy you mentioned to, to round yours out, he's sort of got the same sort of stats and setup. And again, Chris Kirk, I think, is the guy people always look at and say, ah, that's just too much to pay for him. But they forget, like, the guy was really good. He had some of that, you know, some off 
the course issues, came back, became good again. He's been really good. His stats don't lie. The numbers are good across the board. So like him and then Fleetwood was the other guy that you mentioned. Those are the main ones that stand out for me. Not sure what I'll do with Spieth yet because, again, we've seen this, Kenny, where the storyline or the narrative links to people just deciding something, and then the next thing you know, they're crushing it. Like Jason Day has vertigo, wins. Uh, Jordan Spieth, mentally out of it, he says, loses in a playoff to Fitzpatrick. Hideki with the neck injury was like up there for three rounds and then out of it finishes T20 there. somebody still was in the mix. John Rahm could be fatigued from the masters and all that stuff comes second. It doesn't like all these different events. You're still seeing these guys pop up. The thing is, I do think the ownership comes with speed no matter what. So Sungjae, Fleetwood, Kirk, some of the guys that stand out there for me, let's move on. Let's go to the 8K range. I want to ask you about one guy before you take over, but Ricky Fowler still looks good on the stats. The guy actually did not play bad. He missed the cut on the number. His stats were solid. It just, you know, I think it was the putter or something left him. I have to go back and recheck it, but man, 8,900 now. What are you going to do with Ricky Fowler? And then what do you do with the rest of this AK range? Yeah, I think Ricky's going to win at some point in time. So I'm going to play him okay. until it happens. <laughs> uh, I mean, we saw it with Day. I think Ricky's next. Uh, if he doesn't, it's going to be a shame and people are going to talk about it for <laughs> a long time. So he needs to get that monkey off of his back. We'll see if it happens. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to play Ricky. It's not my favorite play uh, in this range, but I mean, I'm going to play him. My favorite play in this range, um, you know, is going to be Denny McCarthy. We talked about that uh, in the intro. You know, he's been gaining strokes with his approaches, I think, in five of his last six. You know, he's a putting god uh, out there. He's been his, his form very, very good. I think 60 to one is very fair with five places each way. Uh, so I went ahead and took that bet. I do not mind him in cash. Uh, hint, hint. Uh, he is, you know, he's definitely in my cash lineup. Not one of my cornerstones. I, it was, it was either one of those toss up because my third casket cornerstones camp Davis, which is right by Denny, of course, coming off a really strong finish, uh, over at, uh, at the PGA finished seventh here last year. Um, his numbers aren't the greatest, but he's really good from 150 to 175, above average with his wedges, really good around the green. Uh, so I do like Cam Davis. He's my third cash game cornerstone. Danny will be in that lineup uh, this week as well. Uh, other guys, I like K.H. Lee. Uh, again, like when it comes to the numbers, like he's well above average in almost every single category uh, that I'm looking for. He's not playing horribly. Um I don't remember if he made the cut or not. I don't think he did. I think he might have missed his last couple of cuts uh, because, uh, no, he made the cut on a number uh, at Byron. Yeah, he uh, finished then, 29th, just passed. Yeah, and then 50th yeah, so, the two before. Yeah. So, so I like K.H. Lee uh, a lot down here. Um, maybe a little bit of Taylor Moore. I'm not sure. Who are you going with? The interesting one there is Harmon. I don't know if you saw, like, again, he may, if he picks up steam, uh, Chalk Harmon feels like he's always the worst Harmon, so yeah. not as interested in that. He's like, coming off two missed cuts, so maybe that holds him back. But for the missed cut here last year, it was just a runoff of great results. 8th, 23rd, 14th, 7th, 25th, 10th, 30th. Like, just incredible run, of course, history here. And he does it does make sense why he would suit this course. But I can't decide this whole range, Kenny. Like, here's the thing. I can't decide if... This range, to me, when you first look at it, you're like, okay, Fowler bounce back. Henley bounce back. Your point on McCarthy is good. Cam Davis, I bet him. I know why people are betting, and he's healthy now. Hoagie looks good on the stats. Min Woo Lee and K.H. Lee, both you can make a case for. Harmon, the reasons I said. Everyone always loves Jaeger and Taylor Moore. I list the whole range. Not to say I'm on all these guys. Just to say, I can't decide if it's you should pick your spots in here 
or if this is just you're, you're making up a story for every single guy in here and you could just bypass this completely like with Scotty and a 9k and jump down or multiple 9ks and jump down so I think this is a week I'm probably going to build in sets I've talked about this in the past where I'm going to get my Scotty lineups and some of them will be Scotty with the 8k guys I prefer which I'll, I'll name some in a second but just to say it some of them will be Scotty with 9ks that skip the 8k and then I'll make 9k lineups and 10k lineups that just skip 8k all together to try and cover my bases on three sets of 50 let's say in my 150 because the 8K range, you could make a story for all of them. Fowler and Henley, like I talked about being the bounce backs. The one thing I'll say is I do think Fowler, we've seen it. He has been playing. I know the thing about Henley, and I liked him last week a ton. Core play, loved him. He did not come through for me. I thought he was going to find his way at the end, but he didn't. And the thing I thought back to, almost like the Sung Jay traveling from Korea thing, was with Henley, if I'm doing any type of review on it, I'm thinking some of those results where he played so well was at the Masters or at like little events of the Heritage or whatever it was. It's not like he'd been playing a bunch of golf. Fowler has been playing a bunch of golf. He's been playing great golf. And then last week, he still played good golf and just missed on the numbers. So you feel good about that. You've got me sold on Denny McCarthy, and I kind of liked him coming in anyway, so I can go there. Cam Davis and a guy we'll talk about later, Ryan Palmer, who I also bet, feel more like good bets based on the number than they do as as plays if they get super popular. We'll have to wait and see. Hoagie could be a guy that comes in under-owned that usually people like. The stats show he's good, but if everyone's going to play... Fowler, Henley, McCarthy, above and below him, Harmon, Jaeger. I think Hoagie is a little bit of a sneaky GPP play there. So I'll mark him. I think he's interesting. And then if it's one over the other, I'm always going to go to my guy Jaeger bombs over Harmon. I understand why people would go there, but I'm just saying with the history. But I like Jaeger's game. Uh, you know, last week, not the best. Still made the cup before that 11th, 27th, 18th. The stats look great. So he's another guy in this 8K range that stands out for me. Then after that, I kind of really like the upper 7K range. Once go ahead, talked about the upper seven. Yeah, so one guy right out of the gate is the first one there is Kirk Kitayama. Man, I know it was he was struggling a little bit after his win at the API, but first of all, to get that win at the API is not an easy thing to do. It's a designated event. Got the, the monkey off his back when it comes to that, and then goes out at last week and has himself another really great week. Different course setup altogether for sure, but if you just go through, the numbers are kind of middling. I'm betting more on talent for price. We do this all the time. We have this conversation on the show. This guy here in this range not only already has a big time win this season, he's got another big time finish just yet just yesterday, finishing you know top five in a major, and now coming into a field that I definitely think he can beat. So I like him. One of the old guys. You talked about the old guys showing up around this place. Brendan Todd. Go look at the numbers. Maybe not the best on your models and stuff, but if you want to talk about a guy just fairways and greens, and then you look at his history here, I think it was a third and a fourth, third and an eighth the last two years. Before last week, it was an eighth and twenty-six. So maybe, a you know, not the best setup for him, but this is a much better setup for him. So 7,800, I like him. Grillo can play some of him. Smalley is a guy that I already liked. And then he was the guy, I just talked about that list earlier. Uh, right now, Smalley, Carson Young, Austin Eckroat, just to name some of them, Ryan Palmer, who we'll mention at the bottom, just tearing up this uh, this qualifier to get into the U.S. Open. So, and it's almost over. So I would assume they all get one of the seats to get in, but anybody playing good golf like that coming in, there's nothing that can feel better than getting the seat, knowing that's already covered. And you're playing a little bit of, you know, confidence in, in you and you're playing sort of swing free. Like you can just go out and do your thing, continue to play good golf. I like that. So Smalley who was playing well at the PGA championship too. And then uh, Lucas Herbert at 7,500, I think stands out as well. Who do you like in this upper seven K range? I like the three guys up top. I like English Todd and Bez. Uh, Harris English has had some spike rounds, some spike events, here it looks like he's healthy old man course old man plan 
Uh, let me let me go ahead uh, and use a little bit of Harris English. The stats aren't going to show uh, too much for him, especially if you go deeper, like last 50. But, you know, more recently, he's been playing a lot better golf. Brendan Todd, you, you spoke about it. He's going to be uh, in a bunch of my lineups. Uh, and I like Bazinhood, who had a really strong finish last year here. These type of courses where, again, you don't have to shoot 27 under par uh, to, you know, uh, win the event, I think are really helpful. This is sort of like his zone, like in a Tommy Fleetwood uh, type zone where I do like him. Again, his around the green game should be helpful. So I do like uh, uh those three up top. When we go down into the bottom, my final cash game cornerstone is going to be Eric Cole, who was, you know, first round, who was near the top of the leaderboard at the PGA Championship for the first couple of rounds, has been playing really excellent golf, a lot of top finishes, uh, and a lot of made cuts here recently. And in my stat model, he comes in inside the top 15. So all of that just works well for me to use him as my final cash game cornerstone. So my cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be Justin Rose at 9,300, Tommy Fleetwood at 9,200, Cam Davis at 8,600. Uh, and then um, uh, Eric Cole at 7,200. Leaves you, I don't know, like well over 15,000, like 15,600, 15,5 uh, to fill out the rest of your lineup. You can even go 8K, which I'm doing, down to a high 6K, which I'm doing uh, for my cash game lineup. Other guys that do like down here, you know, Billy Horschel has not been playing really good golf, but for $7,400 and the talent level he has on an old man's course, uh, that he's played decent here in the past. Uh, I'll take a flyer on a single-digit percent owned uh, Billy Horschel uh, down here. Um, uh, who else? Ryan Palmer. It's in Texas. You play Ryan Palmer in Texas. Staying with Davis Riley. It seems like you play Davis Riley in Texas. Those are just things you do. Justin Saw been playing really, really good golf. Was up there on the first page of the leaderboard all the way up until late Saturday. Uh, he's been making a shit ton of cuts. Really been keeping my season long, uh, a season long fantasy team alive uh, here. Uh, I think I've won like five in a row in solid uh, with over with a bunch of the Golf Digest boys, Boston Capper, uh, Andy Lax in it, Brian Kirshner's in it, doing pretty well in that one. Um, and then uh, Giuseppe, give me a little Giuseppe Straka who just lights out with the irons. Uh, at the PGA Championship. Again, another guy I like in courses that are good, not going to be 27 under, 22 under. You get that mid-teens to low, low double digits. Uh, you know, that, I feel like that's his zone, and I like him, and I really like his number. What was it, like 170 to 1, uh, you know, eight places each way. Uh, I'm a fan of that. Tampa, who's in this lower area that you like? Yeah, I think this is a really good range. And it goes back to what I was saying up top, Kenny, with the Scheffler conversation. This is a range that you can just land in and feel pretty safe. Like I said, when we get to the bottom 6Ks, there's going to be guys we talk about. But if you're breaking it down for the 7K range, there's a lot that I can go to starting at the bottom. I always go for Aaron Rye. Again, not everybody likes him. Make fun of him. Two gloves and iron covers and all that stuff. But talent-wise, at 7,000, I think he's a good play down here. Matthew Neesmith just showed up. Him, Both him, Sam Stevens, even uh, you know Putnam, all those guys at 71, you can make some choices. Uh, Palmer, like I said, maybe a better bet because, well, he is ripping up that qualifier that we just talked about. I got him at 125. He's played really well recently. You talked about him in Texas, but if he gets extremely popular, there's lots of guys around him. Buckley, Poston, uh, Nick Taylor is a guy that I like here. Nick Taylor's actually seen this course quite a few times. And then you go back and look, 
at some of his stats. Last week wasn't the best course for him. I just had the numbers up here. Uh, one was the setup. So going before this week, he had a second, 15th, 10th, 31st, 41st, all solid at this price point. And then you go back and look at his stats and he's like mid top 25 or so in the model. Great on 400 to 450, top 30 in a bunch of the main stats, strokes game, power four, uh, all the other, the uh, good driving percentage, all the stuff that we'd be looking at, sorry, for this event, he fits it. So I kind of like him at 7,200 as a potential pivot for somebody like Ryan Palmer. And then other than that, I think it's just, you know, a matter of just taking your stances, but I think there is guys in the 6K range that we could play as well. Yeah, when we get to the 6K range, the first one is I really like Greedy. It's possible he's in my cash lineup as well, the chesticle. Chesticle Reevee, uh, $6,900, couple of top tens, you know, one at a course where at Wells Fargo, where you would not expect him to, to finish top 10. Good showing at the PGA Championship. He's playing well at courses that I don't think he should be playing well at. That says a lot to me, especially for a 6K guy. I uh, really like Ches Reevee, 350 to one, eight places each way. I'll go and take that bet. Uh, he's probably my favorite play uh, in this range. Uh, Nate Lashley, he's just been striping the ball. Like consistently, like the last 50 rounds, he's 12th in strokes gain approach in this field. And there's like, it's not all scrubs in this field. I mean, to be top 15 in this field in strokes gain approach, that's saying something, especially for a guy at $6,900. Give me a little bit of Nate Lashley uh, down here. Akshay uh, Bhatia, again, his biggest weaknesses are going to be putting, short game, and bogey avoidance. Well, if the winds are going to be like five to 10 miles per hour all week, you know, Hopefully he's hitting a lot of fairways and a lot of greens uh, and he, and he can avoid uh, a lot of that short game, you know, badness uh, that he has. Uh, and that's what I'm hoping on uh, for a guy uh, at that price. Ekro, again, a guy who was, you know, in contention, almost winning an event. What was it? Byron Nelson a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. He was, he was up there. You, you, you almost won the damn thing. Give me at the same price at this price. Definitely take another run at him. You said he's playing out of his mind at the U.S. Open qualifier too, right, Tambo? Yes, that's what I was just pulling back up. Yeah. Where he's at right now, yeah. Yeah, so so I like Eckroat a lot. Uh, and then maybe a little bit of Robbie Shelton, just the model likes him. Uh, so, you know, at $6,400, if a model has him in the top 20 in the last 50 rounds, I'll just go ahead and play him. Yeah, I'm just trying to see what the latest update is here. I had it in front of me. It was uh... – Right now we've got, it's just rounding out, it looks like. So we've got Carson Young at the top. Carson Young, wow, four, he's 14 under. The next closest is 11 under. You watched it on the, the documentary. You know how they play through it two rounds. Right? Oh, okay, okay, remember, okay. That's right. Remember right. the white claws? I was like, 14 under? What the That's fuck? A, I thought he played the white claws at the turn for our guy Joel Damon. So, I mean, they're running through it. But Eckroad is 10 under. Who else is up there right now? Um where did Ryan Palmer go to Ryan Palmer's six under. So we actually dropped down SH Kim, Novak, some of the other guys in this field that just I'm seeing here up at the top, Norlander, man, I don't know. Paul Haley's up there. He's another guy, but yeah, Carson Young and Eckroyd. I like the Eckroyd call anyway. Like I said, we know what his talent is. It's boom bust, but the upside is there and the boom looks really good when you get it. We saw that, like I said, just a couple weeks ago. So I don't hate that. Akshay is just your betting on talent. He's another guy down here. You could say, um, Another guy you could look at was, uh, who's the other guy you were saying at the top? Nate Lashley. Yeah, just going across the board with his stats and seeing everything that he's been doing. Very solid across the board at 6,900, so I think he's fine. Some of the other guys that stand out, the Bens, Ben Griffin, Ben Martin, just from a stats perspective. Mark Hubbard, 6,600. Robbie Shelton, another boom-bust guy that I think you could go to down here. I always play a little Grayson Sig. Carson Young at 6,300. If he gets popular, 
I think it's fine to go away from it, obviously playing good right now, but it's just, you know, you never know at that price, you're taking a risk anyway. And then Tyler Duncan is a guy that I'll always play a little bit of just for the good first name Mojo, same first name, got to roll him out, but he looks pretty good too. Anybody else in this 6K range that you like? No, I mean, I'll pro- I might play Michael Kim. I might play Dylan Wu, but the guys I talked about are going to be my main guys. Yeah, Dylan Wu, another guy actually. Like, what was his price? 67? Yeah, I think he was 66. That's earlier. I was looking at some stuff. He is yeah. uh, 6,600. Yeah, I like him there as well. Sounds good. Uh, one and done. Who you got? I got to see who I have left, man. I don't think I used Scheffler in one last week, so that turned out okay. James I Brooks, the other was not good. Kepka. In, oh, in wow, one nice. and done. I, so I, ju- that. I jumped up to like inside the top 800 or some shit like that. I think I might use like, uh, I got Chris Kirk. I can use in one, maybe something like that. And then in the other one, I have a lot more options. I have Homa, I have M, I have Hovland. So with them being all 40%, 40% range, uh, I think I'm going to go there and try and get different in that one. Because funny enough, my other one started so strong this other one that I've been picking the other stuff's in up to almost 10 million now has just been climbing back into it. So got to finish strong, but uh, I think it's going to be like a Chris Kirk, Homa, maybe to your point earlier, Hovland, something like that, that I'll end up using. All right. I'm going Denny McCarthy or, uh, or Justin Rose more than likely from my one and done. All right, Tambo bets. Yeah, I got four. Uh, I'm going to add to this by Wednesday, but uh, Cam Davis, 55, Kirk Kitayama, 70. Palmer, 125, and Reavy, 400. Uh, the first three are with eight places. The Reavy is with five places. That's all I got for now, though. So I got Homa at 20 to 1. I got Fleetwood at 30 to 1. I got Cam at 40 to 1. I like your number a lot better. Okay. Uh, then I got Denny, 60 to 1, five places each way. Uh, I got um, Giuseppe, Giuseppe Straka. 150 to one, eight places each way. Batia, 170 to one, uh, eight places each way. And then I got a pretty big bet on Reavy, um, 350 to one, eight places uh, each way. So that's what that's going to be my betting card for this week. Hopefully we can go back to back. That would be beautiful. And I feel sort of good about it, especially about Denny. I feel it for Denny uh, this week. Denny or Fleetwood? Two of the guys that, that uh, two of the better guys without a PGA Tour win. If we're throwing that in the mix, I should throw in Fowler, but no, he's got a win. He's got a PGA yeah, Tour. Yeah, yeah, well, not a win in a while. No, I like that. True. Yep. So, so I, I like Denny and Fleetwood. Be, be look on, look out for him. Tampa, why don't you tell everyone about your new shit? Yeah, well, I was just looking up Denny and Fleetwood numbers because that's kind of like the perfect range I have to round up my card, Kenny. If I want to make it a six pack. With 55, 70, 125, and 400, I could just throw the 30 and the 55 on there and be done with it. That's with eight places. If you want to take those guys, probably wouldn't take the eight places on the 30, but just in general, just looking at it. So we'll check it out. I'll have more by Wednesday. That's great news. Like you said, talk about the new gig, shipitnation.com. It's been an incredible start. I want to thank everybody out there that has joined. All the original support, the people coming in out of the gate has been awesome. Pretty easy. We put the slogan out, everything you need to have success with DFS. It is daily fantasy sports focused right now. It's got PGA. It's got MLB both going on right now. Then it's going to have NFL, NBA, NHL. We've got projections for four of the five. The only one we don't have projections for yet are PGA, but we've got it for the four other sports. It's the same projections I've used in NBA this past season to win the three live final seats on DraftKings to go down and win almost 150 K in Denver. So it's got those, but 
That's why the price is so good. The price will run out at midnight tonight on the introductory offer. It's $49 a month or $4.99 for the year. We ran this for the last eight days. It's only going up 10 bucks. So we just, we had to have a one time, one, one week only offer. It'll never come back. It'll be $59 or $5.99 starting tomorrow. But either way, still very fair for what's included, getting all that stuff. It's got tools for MLB. We've had a bunch of winners already. The Discord is awesome. I know Kenny's got to hit me up for that lifetime free membership. So we'll talk about that after the show. But again, appreciate everyone that's been out there checking us out. If you have any questions, hit me up direct on Twitter, at Toe and Tambo. Our Twitter is at ShipItNation. You can check out the site, ShipItNation.com. And then, of course, on Twitter this week, I'll have everything out the same get the tidbits out early Wednesday morning, go to Mayo's studio, record the live in, stu- in studio show with him. And then the showdown shows are back on Mayo media network as well for round two and round three as part of a collaboration with ship it nation. So lots of stuff going on, Kenny excited for what we got here and everything that we've got going on at fantasy golf degenerates as well. Yeah, I do have to, I do have to say uh, it's nice working for so many people over the years and getting all these lifetime memberships. Uh, we worked for Rotor Grinders, where I got one of those. Uh, what else? Uh, Fanshare Sports. Uh, we did some of theirs. Uh, Cut Sweats over uh, for Nelson. Uh, I got Rick Rungood, lifetime membership there. <laughs> Fantasy National, lifetime membership there. Always a bonus for working for, for different people uh, throughout the year so you can get these lifetime memberships. I'm definitely oh, – and, of course, lifetime membership of Gup's Corner. You can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. You can find my articles at gupscorner.com. Use promo code uh, Kenny. Save yourself 30% on the membership. Both me and Gup had Kepka last week uh, on our betting card. So it was a solid week, a lot of green screens uh, for our members. So make sure you go uh, and check that out. Anything else, Tambo? All, just all those people that just heard you say that you got their free membership. They're coming for you. Wait and uh, see how many get cut off after this pod. Uh, We're like, wait, uh, that, no, no. that guy hey, still I, has that hey, All those sites are great sites. Yeah, Great sites. <laughs> all of them. All of them. So, hey, there you uh, go. I, I just plugged all of the sites for you. Keep my free membership. <laughs> all right, guys. You know, I don't feel a major hangover on this one. I am ready to rock. Let's get this done. Let's win some motherfucking money. Degen Nation. I've been getting dirty money, Jordan Belford. Stacking penny stocks while I'm flipping these birds. Sipping on Ciroc, trip them up with the words. I done popped the molly and I think it's be my third. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.